powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show! Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy, guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Wow! (laughs) Hi, everyone! Thank you, thank you! I am so happy you're all here in 2022. I love my virtual audience. Holy crap, we made it! It's officially 2022. I am officially Derek, and this is officially the Derek Duvall Show. Not only going strong in its second year, but also now the official soundtrack in proctologist waiting rooms all over the world. You guys listening, hang in there. It's going to be okay. Yes, I am so excited for another fun year of this show. I am eyeing my Google Drive, and I have 36 interviews that I have recorded in the last two to three months that I have not yet released, and holy hell, I will tell you, every single one of them is absolute gold. But that's not all. Every week, I am now booking at least five to six new interviews. And we're not talking just actors and singers. We're talking civil servants, scientists, athletes, professional soldiers, more and more and more. Believe me, people are coming to me now asking, where am I getting these guests? I will tell you the truth. You just got to ask. With that said, what's been going on with me? Well, I will be the first to tell you that Mrs. Duvall has started watching the Karate Kid series. I promised her I would watch Ted Lasso if she would watch Cobra Kai. Well, let me tell you, fans, fear of new shows does not live in this dojo, as she has watched one and two, and we are getting ready to watch the third one very soon. The online outpouring, especially while watching part two, has made me really appreciate Duval Nation, especially on Twitter. Every single one of you brings something fun to the table. So, this is episode 36. Now... We're going to do something a little strange here, okay? So bear with me. Before we get to our main guest, I have decided to bring back two of our past favorites to have them sort of check in. They both have huge projects they were working on. So I want to give them the opportunity to give us an update, as it were. They are the stars of Episode 4 and 26, respectively, punk rock legend Chad Malone and teacher and author extraordinaire Katie Kinder. So I flipped a coin. And it landed on heads, so that means Katie goes first. Ladies and gentlemen, rides to your feet, and welcome back to the Derek Duvall Show, one of my absolute favorite people, Miss Katie Kinder. All right, welcome back. Katie, how are you? Hi, Derek. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Katie Kinder, the author of Untold Teaching Truths, from a teacher who has hashtag been there. How is the book doing? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's going really well. I had a book signing uh, last week I uh, in Tulsa. It was uh, my mom and my editor put it together. So that was fun. Um, I went to several conferences over the last couple of months and I've got some coming up. Uh, it's good. It's back in stock on Amazon, which was exciting because it was you know out of stock for a while. And That's a good problem um, to have. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so it's it's going well. I, I think that um, I'm already thinking about another book and oh. other speaking engagements. And and so, yeah, I'm excited about it. And, and I just want to get it into the hands of these baby teachers that and teachers in general that were just like losing every day. We at my school, we lost three teachers at semester oh. um, because of how hard it, this has been. It's been really hard. Um, so yeah, I just want to get it into the hands of those those teachers. So it's been it's been going really well. So you say speaking engagements is a is the goal to get a TED talk? Okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that is one of my many goals, Derek Duval. I am going to try out I think for a TED talk hopefully coming up, and I've got some other things that I'm I'm going to go to Arkansas. I'm going to go to Texas. I've got some other things just in and around Oklahoma. So, yeah, things are going well. I just want to, for the record, you are officially the very last interview I'm doing for 2021. 
oh my goodness, yep. this is exciting. This you are the like very hours. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you are. Yeah, there you go. But uh, yeah, I just um, like I said, I want to touch base with you. Um, I, and this is the thing as well. Are you doing like you know autographed copies or you know anything like that? Uh, sure. Yeah, I've got I've got some. I've got a stock of books in my house um, that I've been you know trying to get out there as well. So yeah, if you want an autographed copy, I'll send one to Derek Duval and listeners. No, oh, listeners especially, absolutely. Yeah. Well, no, my, my my thing also is this. I mean, you know, the book's been out for what uh, about a couple of months now. Yeah, and... October. October. And what has the feedback been? I mean, has it been overwhelming? Have you met talking to people that you've never met before? People reaching yeah. out? Yeah, they have been. Uh, I've talked to teachers in New York. I've talked to a couple in Colorado, in Washington, people who have downloaded it, read it, and reached out. Um, then, I mean, also, you know, Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram, all of that it's really awesome because you can connect so instantly on those platforms. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I've heard from a lot of people via, you know, social media and then they're like, can I really have a lesson for free? And I'm like, mm -hmm. yes, like, what do you want? And I'll just send it to them. And so that has been really fun. Um, I'm actually mentoring a teacher in New York city oh, wow. uh, just because she got a hold of my book. She was feeling down um, she's been doing it about five years, feeling like it's, you know, am I going to quit? Am I going to stay? And she got a hold of my book and, and I've kind of been counseling her and I love it. I love it. That's what I want to do is, is to keep these teachers um, because we need them. My thing about it is, is, you know, you say you people are reaching out. Is it they have questions or is it just basically they're sharing their story with you? Yeah, all of the above. Mm. Uh, you know, this is what's happened. What would you do if this happened in your class? What would you do if this parent said this? Or, you know, and I think, I don't think anybody's really truly ready to step into the classroom because you really don't know. I mean, this is like the human experience. It's messy. We're dealing with kids and, you know, kids who come from hard places and it's really hard and, and it's unpredictable. So I, I think the book helps with that. And also being able to connect with these educators all over um, the nation, mm -hmm. I get to kind of think about what I would do because I'm still connected to kids. I still, I mean, I've got two classes in the morning and then I've got the instructional coach piece in the afternoon. And so I see how rapidly our kids are changing. Like our kids from, you know, 2019 are not our kids from 2021. They just aren't. They've been through a lot. Uh, teachers, everybody's been through a lot. Um, and so I think that is really neat that I can continue to put in place strategies and rethink my teaching philosophy as well. When these people reach out and say, X, Y, and Z happened in my class, how would you handle that? Mm -hmm. And I, I like it because I think that we're, we always have to be ready to pivot and grow and learn and just do better for our kids. You know, it's funny you say that. I remember when the episode came out and it, it launched on the Wednesdays, it always does. And it was by the Friday. I always go back and I check my analytics. Now I'm not, I will never share my analytics with people because it's, I just don't feel like anything good will come of that. But I will right? say that your episode was, um, not only was it well received, it was well downloaded. But the thing about it is, and this is the part that I've, I've still kind of kept my finger on it, is your episode was the only episode that was listened to in France. None that was the, what in France? That was listened to in France. None oh. of the other episodes I have put out has had a listener in France except for yours. And, oh, that's and I, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I don't know if it was you know someone was like, oh, good teacher, you know, you know, ho, 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 or something like that. But <laughs> but I but no, none of the other episodes have been listened to in France. So you you have the sole person who got to listen to uh, a French person listen to it. Oh my gosh! Hey France, I'll come to France. Send me a <laughs> That's awesome. But no, seriously, the uh, the the episode I remember when it came out was very well received. Everybody was super oh, thank excited. Thank you. But some other people were like not just teachers but some of them were on the university level and they were like you know like how because with you basically you teach what was it, eighth grade i believe it was 
Yeah, seventh and eighth grade, a writing right. class. And they're like, you know, they're right at that age, you know, everything is Snapchat or what's the other one? Mm. TikTok and all that. Like, yeah. how do you, as a teacher, uh, you know, put the hammer down that, or do you just kind of like, it is what it is and you embrace it or how does that work? Well, I, I'm glad you asked. Well, all this research has come out that says, you know, our babies and their frontal cortex um, are not developed fully until they're 25 or later. And so they have a hard time handling this smartphone that we hand to them and then we expect them to behave like adults and they don't have the capacity to do that. And mm-hmm. um, so my school district is one-to-one devices in that every kid has a iPad and they're issued the iPads from the district. And I have very strict procedures when it comes to technology. They don't need their cell phones. It should be powered down and I shouldn't see it. Just because research shows that even when their cell phone is near and it's on, their brain is divided. They can't function. And so they're not, no real learning is taking place if they're worried about their Snapchat or their TikTok or their whatever. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm of the camp of that we should ban the phones. They can have them on them. They should be powered down in the backpack. If their parents need them, then call the school. We all yeah. have uh, phones. And that's not to say that I don't embrace the technology. I do some really cool technology lessons with my kids but they have an iPad for educational purposes only. And I go through procedures with them and I want every teacher to do the same because the cell phones can be so damaging. There can be bullying happening right under your nose because you're letting your kids on their phones. Or there could be and even crazy things like they're taking pictures of somebody and then distorting it, then putting it on TikTok and making fun of them during school hours in somebody's class. I mean, that's, that's not okay. Yeah. My and, thing is, do people like still pass like notes in class or is that all? They do not. They try to text in class. Oh. Uh, I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty strict and I, you know, a lot of my teachers that I work with are the same because we all kind of have to, you know, we're raising babies together. We all going to have to get on the same page. Um, you know, the procedures in my class have to go into their next class, into their class after that, into the hall, into the cafeteria, like kids, I mean, they are going to push back on, on boundaries, but they don't want an unsafe environment. They really don't. Right. And they want to feel, they want boundaries and they want structure. Mm. And so um, they do not, but they figure out other ways of cheating or of talking. Like they'll they'll add everybody to like a Google Doc and they'll talk on Google oh, wow. Doc and they'll and they'll you know, and it looks like they're writing an essay, right? And so if you're not a teacher that's all up in their space and like making sure they're doing what they're supposed to, well then they're just going to pass notes, quote unquote, that way. Mm. Well, on that note. Um... See, I love. See, I love when you come on the show, man. I even I learn stuff. Like, oh. I'm, just, I'm seriously like you're teaching me, so it's awesome. Okay. So on that note, uh, Katie Kinder's book, Untold Teaching Truths from a Teacher Who Has hashtag been there. I love saying that. It just rolls <laughs> off the tongue. Hashtag been there. Uh, it's available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Katie, seriously, thank you again for coming on the show tonight. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I tell you, man. This lady is awesome, and her star is only going to keep growing. We are all so fortunate to be witness to it. Be sure to go back and listen to episode 26 when you're done with this episode, if you haven't already had the chance to listen to it. So, the flip side of that coin is one of my all-time favorite badasses. Please welcome back to the show one of the men I would gladly walk into battle with, my great friend, punk rock legend and Tulsa urban myth, Mr. Chad Malone. The one, the only, Chad Malone. Welcome back to the Dirk Duvall Show. You're one of the OG guests. I mean, we're talking <laughs> early days. Hello, sir. It's good to talk with you again. It is. All right. So the reason we have you on, at the end of the last show, we were talking about mm-hmm. what your future plans have for you. And you had told us that you were writing a book. And it's been a year and change. The book is out, Melancholy, Madness, and the Mundane. Sir, it's a great book. I've read it twice. 
I, I will talk about some of my favorite passages in a second, but what, Very do kind. You, Thank you. what do you remember from, you know, actually having an actual physical copy in your hands to the, how it is today with, you know, it's been sent out into the world? It's <laughs> truly bizarre, actually. Uh, I mean, I've done records my whole life, you know, I got a bunch of records out and, and it felt similarly to the first time I ever put a record out. It's, almost surreal you know unreal in its own way that holy crap i have a book out (laughs) (laughs) well if you're me as soon as you touch it you question the validity of what you've done and and i just riddled with self-doubt but the response has been great and i still hate everything i've ever written in it but um, i'm i'm glad that it exists we'll say that so that's awesome let's talk about the uh artwork inside because th- we remember oh, you putting out there saying do we have any artists you know i mean you, you were looking for anybody from stick figures to actual you know like creative geniuses uh sure. l- let's talk about who did the illustrations and how that came about well the uh starting i guess from front to back um the cover was actually an uh an outline of part of a larkin record that i had that design was already done for me years ago by uh, a guy named Boz in Dublin, Ireland. And uh, we just embossed it the way that it was, which was Terry Watchka's the one that kind of laid it out as the cover. Now the inside uh, orig- first page would be um, Derek Sanders, who submitted uh, one a couple of pieces that were kind of, I thought encompassed the, my view of writing, which is sitting being very melancholy and uh, drinking beer and seeing where your mind takes you. And uh, Derek, he's a local Tulsa uh, metal musician, brilliant, brilliant artist, great guy. And uh, Amy Wright submitted most of the internal pieces. She is up in New England and a brilliant artist. And I've known her since the old punk days. Um, And she, I thought, really expressed uh different aspects of the writing because i sent her a bunch of pieces and i was like see where this takes you and i thought she did absolutely brilliantly and she has the most pieces within the book and finally there would be paul bond um from england um unfortunately he's a chelsea supporter but other than that he's a great guy and he did which is actually uh, the painted portrait as my author page because i didn't i wanted it to come across as a little more timeless than just a photograph and uh, I wanted it to feel from like more like the 1800s kind of book. And uh, I thought a uh, actual painted portrait would come across better. And he did a fantastic job in which the portrait itself hangs at my parents' house in That's Florida. Awesome. So what is the, I remember I went to the actual release party, which was held at uh, Kilkenny's pub here in Tulsa. What do you remember? Was it all kind of a whirlwind? Do you just kind of, you know, blown away by the, the amount of people who came from bought a, a signed copy, which, which I'm looking at my signed copy right now. Absolutely baffling. Um, I was hoping to sell, you know, 10 to 20, you know, and I, I sold majority of the first, you know, it was like a, a 125 to start and sold most of them that first day. And there, it just was endless. And we had to stay an extra hour or so just uh, accommodate everyone that was waiting. So that was absolutely brilliant. That totally, totally surprised me and very flattering. And uh, so the response was absolutely phenomenal. There's been some, like I said, there's a few in here um, that are really great. I, I loved the one for longing. Uh, Staycation was a really good one as well. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, also that, very true. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And, um, you know, like, uh, Who Wants to Live Forever, which, you know, is also, you know, the take on one of my favorite Queen songs. But it also was a very, very good. Very good Thank you. Prose, that's, that's, an old, that's an old Brother Inferior song that was off of one of our records from I wrote a long time ago. Right. So those kind of some of those date back to you know twenty twenty five years ago, and some of them are you know just from a couple of months before the book actually got published. So the one thing I really also admire is you know they say you know like you know great authors never stop writing. I follow your Instagram page religiously, and you're still putting it out there. I mean, I saw one yesterday that was you know very very good. Thanks, man. I just you know you go where the demons take you. And uh, I've kind of, my mind thinks in rhyme, whether I want it to or not. And when I, some, I'll jot stuff down and if I think it's worthwhile, I'll post it. Uh, majority of the stuff that I come up with doesn't make the page because I kind of look and go, this is crap. I'm glad I wrote, you know, you should always write down every, you know, everything 
whether you think it's good or not, because mm-hmm. something good might come of it after the fact, you know, but mm-hmm. you also have to accept the fact that majority of what, you know, most people create mm-hmm. is not good. It's just, they have to have the sensibility to, if, if, some, if they believe in something, then, you know, promote that and let it out and see what happens. And so I appreciate it, man. I, I mean, I just, you know, write what comes to me and I post the stuff I think is hopefully someone will appreciate. So I'm you glad know, you did. You know, it's funny you say that, you know, you've, I, in my mind's eye, I see you there with like, you know, hundreds of pages of, you know, lyrics and writings <laughs> and, you know, it's going to be like Prince when Prince dies, you know, we're going to have Prince music to the end of time because, you know, he wrote thousands and thousands of songs. So, yeah, yeah, that truly did. And, and yeah, you're not, you're not wrong with that. I mean, there's scrap pieces of paper and sometimes I'll find one that will, that I think is complete garbage, but will inspire me to write something that I'm totally, you know, fond of. Um, I, I, several Larkin songs have come up that way where gotten a bit, you know, on the soft, as you might say, and I uh, woke up and realized I had jotted down some words and thought that they were okay and kind of let that flow into a new tune. So yeah, it just see where your mind goes and just let it go. And I think that's the, when it comes to writing, I think for most anybody in that, well, any kind of creativity, don't be so hard on yourself. Just let it happen. Cause I think most creativity, unfortunately gets stuck in people's heads and the self doubt doesn't allow them to let it out. Uh, obviously, like I said, the book is out there. Um, what's a good way to mm-hmm. find uh, a copy online? Uh, online. You can find me at, uh, Chad Malone, 1886. That's Chad Malone, one eight, eight, six at gmail.com. So just send me an email. I'm totally fine with that. I'm on the social medias, the, uh, still on the Facebook. So you can find me at uh, just on the shame of T-Town for <laughs> T-Town being Tulsa. Still the greatest and, uh, ever, dude. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> and the same with Instagram. I am easily found Chad Malone, you know, Instagram.com slash the, the shame of T-Town. And uh, I'm also on Twitter, but that's mostly just me following Arsenal pages right. and Star Trek. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you can find me on anything. If you can find me and you want a book, I am more than happy to accommodate. I, I've got, I'm self-published, so I have the books. I'll sign every copy that anybody wants and mail them out uh, immediately. And I also deal with, for online orders, I'll deal with like, you know, Cash App and uh, PayPal and pretty much anything like that. If someone wants to buy one, we'll figure out a way to get it to them. Awesome. All right. On that note, uh, before we let you go, one quick question, if you can sum it up in about uh, a minute. How was uh, the shame Larkin? How are they coming along? We got anything big for them in the future? Big, uh, no, but both are doing well. Um, we're hoping that 2022 is a little more kind to us for gigs. You know, I mean, it's it's hard to feel comfortable at shows. I mean, we've played a couple. We've done some outdoor shows. Both are happening, and we plan on doing some big uh, St. Patrick stuff for Larkin, of course. You know, the shame has some uh, plans to start, you know, trying to get back out of town and whatnot. And also members of the shame are also doing a side project of uh, I've been writing a hardcore record and we're going to be recording that sometime this year as well. So I, I had so forgotten we, you had wrote that. Yeah. How is the hardcore it, record? I mean, it's all just in my head at the moment. I mean, I bought a new guitar. I've been right. I've got the riffs, but we, uh, we were kind of waiting to get through the end of the year, just, you know, with everybody got their family stuff going on and then we'll, we're going to start rehearsing it. So the songs are mostly done. Um, and I just need to get every, and luckily the, the guys in the shame are so talented that uh, it won't take, but a few practices to really get the tunes down. And then I just going to book some studio time and I plan on releasing it for free um, online. So, yeah, you know, I mean, it's just music I want to play. I just don't want to go through the hassle of forming another band and touring again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. All right, sir. Um, congratulations. You're the very first uh, interview of 2022. Thank you so much, man. It's always good to talk to you, and I uh, look forward to seeing you again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're down, down the pub soon, okay? Sounds great, man. Take, Take care, care now. I tell you guys, if you ever get the chance, sit down and watch an Arsenal match with him. Ladies, if you're interested, at least know the Arsenal result before sliding into this guy's DMs, okay? Anyway, that brings us to the halfway point of episode 36. We are going to go ahead and take a small break. But when we get back, we'll be speaking to the CEO and founder of the hair treatment program, Regenics. That is Mr. Bill Edwards. He is going to be talking about his humble origins, the advances in preventing hair loss, 
dispelling a myth about male hair patent baldness and how he came to be treating one of the most famous men in the world, everyone's favorite chill man, Mr. Matthew McConaughey. All that and more when we get back from my break. I'm Agent Scott. And I'm Cam, the provocateur. And together we are the Spy Hearts Podcast. Every Tuesday, we decode the best and the worst of spy cinema to decipher if they make the knock list. That's right. The knock list is the need-to-see official classics of the spy genre. The best of the best, so to speak. Nobody does it better. From Born to Bond and Powers to Palmer, you can bet we will cover it. So subscribe now and revel in the audio equivalent of a smooth martini. Just search for Spy Hards, that's S-P-Y-H-A-R-D-S, on all major podcast apps. And let's just hope you find us before we find you. Your mom uh, had an accident. I'll uh, take you to her. Uh-oh. Look, Wild Bill! Who was that? Some stranger. He said Donnie's mom was hurt. I didn't know if I should go with him. Well, just don't do what a stranger says. Check it out with an adult you know. Remember, a stranger can mean danger. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Hi, I'm Dietrich. I'm Alex. And I'm Ben. We're from the podcast That Song From That Movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. We want you to join us on our voyage across the cinematic sound waves as we take a deep dive on a new song and movie each week to figure out just what makes them tick. Already we've set sail with Celine Dion on the Titanic, found a friend in Toy Story, and gotten drenched out in the rain with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Hopefully each breakdown allows us to answer the ultimate question of what's better, the movie or the song. Or at least learn something new along the way. Just like learning that Toy Story 4 is a meaningless cash grab without a soul. You can subscribe right now on all good podcast platforms. If you use one of the bad ones, then that's on you, and we can't be held responsible. Subscribe to that song from that movie. Okay, welcome back to episode 36 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's rise to our feet and give a good Duvall Nation welcome to our very special guest, calling into the show today from his home in Alabama, the CEO and founder of Regenics, Mr. Bill Edwards. Bill, good afternoon. Welcome to the show. How has your day been so far? Superb. I'm watching the French Open semifinals. I start my interviews off with the same question. How has it been for you to navigate this COVID-19 world we're living in? It has completely changed my life. You know, we had a, a, an office, a lab in Los Angeles where, where I saw clients personally, and we did hair microanalysis there. We did stem cell therapy, and we did, we had research going on. We people were uh, clients would come in and, and have uh, hair and scalp treatments there at the facility, and of course, being in Los Angeles, uh, they closed everything down, and it just it it basically forced me into a retirement. So now, a, a year later, I am living in Alabama instead of Los Angeles, uh, living the good life. So. No. Although it although it has been a huge shakeup, it ended up being a good thing. Do you have family and in Alabama, our, or is that a, just a yeah, personal yeah, place? Yeah, my wife's my wife's family lives in Alabama, so we're I've got got people here, and it's just it's such an incredible area that we live in. Everybody is wonderful. The neighbors are great. People here are just so nice and friendly, and it's just a just a great environment to be in. I spent a few days in Mobile, Alabama, when I was in the military, went down south the USS Alabama battleship. And I remember my time in Alabama was quite pleasant. Yeah, it's great. Great spot. Great yeah. spot. The, the business, uh, the mail order end of things, we're still operative. We have a mm-hmm. fulfillment center still in L.A. and we do hair microanalysis with people sending in their hair samples through the mail. And we do we, we take micro photographs and email them back. And then we have a staff there. Uh, to answer questions and, and, and do the technical part of it. So we're, we're still fully functional, even though we don't have the facility that people can actually come to. I'd like to take things back to the beginning. Um, where are you originally from? I grew up in Canada. I'm, I moved to Los Angeles uh, to set up Regenics in 19, 1984. So I've noticed, I did a little research on you. You've been in the hair business since 1976, and sometime around... 1980, you joined um, Antec Research Labs. Can you tell us about your time there? Yeah, it was. Uh, I started off in, with a small company in uh, 
in Toronto. And when I kind of took over the owner of that company, he retired and I took over the business and grew it there. And then in 84, I decided to, I've, I've had it with the Toronto weather and I've got old, old jock knees mm. that don't survive well in cold and snow. So uh, I decided to move to LA and set up Antech there. And uh, we, we grew the, grew the business. And then I think it was in about 1990, I split away and, and, Started at Cedar Simon with uh, with Regenix. That was around 1993. What led you to make that move? The, it was frustrating for me because it, the, the company, you know, I, I was I was a, a shareholder, but not, you know, I didn't have the full power, and I wanted to expand and do research and continue developing products, and the the rest of the of the crew wanted to just maintain status quo and just kind of make profits as much as possible and not invest anything more in, into research. And I knew that if you stayed stagnant in, in an environment like that, where things were changing so, so quickly that you would soon go by the wayside. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what really motivated me to, to leave. And I, and I trademarked the name and I developed further. And, and uh, in about 19, 1998, uh, we, we have, I developed a patented process. Uh, for for hair enhancement and uh, the analysis part, so we're we're trademarked and patented now, and, and that's that would have never occurred if I stayed with Antec. Makes sense. That brings me back to that question: Is how hard was it originally to get Regenix up and running? Well, it it, it took a little bit. Of, uh, you know, uh, initially it was kind of a big leap to to go from a established company that I'd work hard to build and just to kind of start all over again, but. I was determined, and uh, it, it worked out really well. You had to live frugally for a while until until things were going. I spent weeks and weeks in the UCLA Biomedical Library doing research and uh, developing products and things like that. Of course, now it's so much easier. You just go on your computer. You can do research from just about anywhere. But back then, it was before all that. And mm-hmm. It was a lot more difficult. So the literature out there that I've been reading recently um, talks very much of your treating celebrities and the name of the future governor of Texas, Matthew McConaughey's drop. <laughs> how did, uh, how did that come about? He just, he just walked in one day in, in 1999. And uh, he said, listen, I, I had uh, shaved. I, he's, he shaved his head for a movie, shaved it. And then, it just didn't grow back. And I think he was under a lot of stress at that time, you know, trying to make it in the business. He was a young actor starting out and uh, it just never grew back the same way. And he kind of, of course, he's a, he, being in the business he's in, he took it seriously that his hairline was receding mm. and uh, he came in and, and became an instant believer. And he never, I mean, he would go on camping trips with his buddies and he would call up and say, listen, I'm in, you know, Podunk, Idaho, and I'm running out of stuff. Send some here, and I'm going to meet up with it. And, and he just, you know, camping and everything. He never, ever missed a treatment day. There's, there's articles that were written on him. And the, the, the author of the article for a magazine said, I appeared at, his, at the house he was staying in for the movie at 730 in the morning. And he met me in his bathroom massaging some kind of liquid into his scalp. And he said, oh, yeah, I, I never miss my Regenix treatment. He was very, very diligent, and of course, it paid off. He was one of the one of the miracle cases that we had. He he really, really did well, and mm-hmm. um, he's the first one to tell you it takes a little effort and a little time, but for him, it really paid off. So, one of my really, really good friends, um, he is Matthew McConaughey. It's his favorite actor in the whole world. And when he heard that you were coming on my show, he's like, "I know that brand. I know that because he, he's a big fan and follower, what have you." So. That tickled him pink. He'll hear when he hears this. He'll he'll get a real kick out of that. So uh, the only reason that the world knows that Matthew McConaughey was a client is that he's just. I mean, he's just the most unpretentious straight shooter. He was on the David Letterman show, and Letterman said, "You know, your hair your hair uh, looks a lot different than the last time I saw you." And McConaughey says, "Yeah, I, I've been using this stuff called Regenix, and my hair's better now than it was when I was 18 years old." And of course. The, you know the, the media blew up we had we had the national Enquirer parked in the hallway at the office trying to catch him coming and going i mean it was it was insane so yeah it makes sense yeah and, and and the other interesting thing about our celebrity clients too is they love us and they would love to talk about us but their management 
won't let them say that they're a client of Regenix for fear of, of, a, of a, a casting agent or a producer thinking that they were losing their hair and not hiring them for a, for a movie that takes a year, you know, to produce mm-hmm. thinking that they would lose their hair during that time. So, I mean, it's a little silly, but that's, that's the, the mindset. Now I think you might be the best person to answer this. And I want to know, is there any science to the whole male patent baldness coming from the mother's father's side? No, it can come from either side of the family and up to seven generations past and it can skip and suddenly pick up with someone. That's fascinating. Could you tell me about the Regenix three-stage system? I, I read that and I was very fascinated by that. Um, well, the, the Regenix, the, our patent is a, is a process patent. You have a hair microanalysis done, which, which identifies specific problems that we, that we treat successfully. And that enables us to customize a formulation to start the program off with the individual. We start off treating the scalp topically, like like dandruff, dryness, flaking, oiliness, uh, follicle entrance buildup debris and things of that nature. Uh, that's, that's the first stage. And then the second stage deals with the more acute problems below the surface of the scalp within the hair follicles, emulsifying and breaking down impacted sebum buildup, micropollution residues, and all kinds of you know, hair care product residue, things that can uh, hamper the, the healthy hair growth. And then the third stage of the program is the active part, whereby we introduce elements that increase blood circulation, um, elements that will uh, counter any, any genetic predisposition to problems. Uh, testosterone blockers, things of this nature that that once they're introduced to a clean follicle, and that's the key because these a lot of companies will copy us and they'll start off with something they'll pick up something that we have and 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 then they'll market it and say it grows hair, whereas it doesn't it, it's not effective at all because you haven't followed the first stage and the second stage to get to the third stage. And that's the part that that it doesn't grow hair on a bald scalp. If the if the follicle has has atrophied to the point of no hair production, it's not going to be regenerated short of uh, stem cell therapy. Mm-hmm. So the Regenix three step program is designed to enhance existing hair where it has thinned. Like if if someone is going bald. It, it, the hair just doesn't fall out and then that's it. Nothing ever grows there again. It's a gradual diminishing return. The hair will fall out. The next generation coming in will come in thinner and weaker. It falls sooner. The next generation comes in weaker still. So it's this gradual spiral downwards. If we can catch that problem somewhere in the, in the middle or, or as close as we can do when it first starts, um, we can not only halt the deteriorative process, but we can get back a certain amount of that thickness loss that has already occurred. And that's the whole gist of the Regenix program. Of course, we have hygiene products and hair care products and vitamin supplementation, and all these other ancillary things that go along, go along with the program. But that the, the, the biopharmaceutical treatment thing, that's, those are the three stages that I just described. Mm-hmm. What is the top reason, in your opinion, that people end up losing their hair, male or female? There really isn't any, you know, aha, Mr. Jones, this is why you're losing your hair. There's, there's probably a dozen different contributing factors to someone losing their hair. One person may have three in their case. Another person may have six in their case. But, but there's all these variables. And that's why we insist on doing a hair microanalysis with everyone before we recommend and design a treatment program for them. And by the way, when someone is involved in that three-stage treatment program, we do follow-up hair microanalysis every three months. They send in their hair samples. And so that enables us to not only monitor the degree of success that we're having with that individual, it also gives us the ability to customize the formula, tweak it, so that it can be as efficient as it possibly can at, at that given time. In your opinion, 
with the COVID-19 pandemic, obviously people have been staying home more in the last year. Have you noticed that hair loss has been more prevalent or do you feel that it's just, you know, nature taking its course? Oh, it's, in, it's amazing. The, the amount, uh, uh, the difference in, in, well, I'll give you a good example. The, the number of people that have Googled hair loss in the past year versus other years is up at least 25%. People and our we notice it in, in just in the mail order business alone. We've uh, our, our mail order business has exploded this past year mm. because of all the people that it's it's the 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 inherent stress. You know, it's not even outward stress. Although if somebody has lost their job or they're out of work and you know they're not they can't make a living, obviously they're going to be outwardly stressed. But but even the inward part of just that that uncertainty of, am I going to lose my job? Am I going to get sick? What, what's going to happen? How, and it's just the uncertainty of what's happening on a day-to-day basis over the course of a whole year. People, they, they, they feel those effects. And what happens with hair specifically, obviously there's other things physically that can, you know, that can go wrong. But when you're under that kind of long-term stress, um, the body it, it starts to turn inward. It goes into protective mode of the protects the vital organs. So extremities, things like hair, skin, fingernails, that's what suffers. And because of that lack of energy that, that normally would go to those areas being turned inward, hair follicles, they kind of go to sleep. They go dormant. I'm, we're not getting the energy we need to function properly. So we're just going to go dormant. Shortly thereafter, hair falls out. That's why almost always heavy stress is associated with heavy hair fall. Mm. We recommend our, we have a B complex uh, uh, vitamin supplement that we, we actually gave it away with orders for a while to keep our clients uh, on, you know, with a good nutritional intake because the B complexes are what is burned off more when you're under stress. Um, in my age, I'm in my forties now and I, I went gray, super gray at 32. No one in my family ever got went gray until they were in their fifties. And most people did my family didn't live past their sixties, but it was very peculiar that my hair suddenly went gray almost within 14 months. What is, do you have any science behind that? Or is it just like, Hey, bad luck. You've got silver hair or what would you recommend for that? Well, every, everybody's hair is gray. It gets its color from from a substance called melanin that's secreted from the body. Now, obviously, as we age, the body just stops secreting melanin and your hair returns to its natural color of gray. Mm -hmm. What we find interesting with some of our middle-aged clients, and it doesn't happen in all cases, and there's no way to predict if it's going to happen or not. But once we, as I described earlier, when we start breaking down all these impediments that are within the hair follicles, they that that will will block the absorption of the melanin and the hair will turn gray when you remove those impediments the pigmentation starts to come back into the hair shafts and we Mm. see it you know on a regular basis like i said not always but we Mm. see it regularly i tried dyeing my hair once it looked silly so (laughs) just uh, let let the natural just let the natural gray go it's quite defining yeah i'm uh i'm fully I, i have my hair but it is real gray (laughs) <laughs> and I've, I, I resisted that. A, a really good friend of mine uh, went through that dying thing. And it, it just, you know, he was, he was, he's called, he, he called it a tune-up. I was always going for a tune-up because the roots would start to come in and they would look odd. And you can just tell. And it's yeah. just, and of course, once you get into that world, you got to keep going. And then you're contributing to problems that cause difficulty with your, with the health of your hair. Forget about the color. We've developed a special product. And years ago. There's there is no way that I could be telling women in Los Angeles don't color your hair, stop processing your hair. I would have been ridden out of town on a rail. Uh, so we developed some products to deal with those issues. Number one is a product that uh, the salon people love it. It's called Follicle Guard, and you apply it to the surface of your scalp prior to doing any kind of processing, coloring of your hair. What that does. It keeps those harsh chemicals from getting down into the hair follicle and affecting the new growth of hair. The other one is called a damage control keratin gel. And what that, it's made of the same molecular structure as hair itself, and it will bond to damaged cuticles of the hair shafts, smooth them out, and prevent uh, tangling and, 
and dryness and breakage and lateral fracturing and things like this of people who have processed their hair, which is a common thing. As a matter of fact, hairdressers will tell people with fine hair, well, let's color your hair because the damage will make the, make the hair shafts puff up and go and get, you know, get fuller, cover more. Mm. Problem is that it just leads to more damage. Mm. Yeah. I tried doing my hair black and people said, no, it's just, it looks silly. I was like, Rare enough. <laughs> uh, what, one of my one of my friends sent me a picture of Sean Connery at uh, I think he was in his sixties, and she's and she's like, "Just do this, you'll be fine. Just you know, go on with your day." Yeah. So yeah, anyway. I I am in complete agreement. <laughs> okay. Um, are there any big developments for uh, on the horizon by any chance? Well, the 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 best thing that we have right now going on, and it was very unfortunate. We were going gangbusters with this. Uh, with stem cell therapy. Unfortunately, you have to have the person live right there. It's not, it's not something you can do by mail order. Uh, so that, that suffered a lot, but we're, we're doing it still uh, here and there with people. And, and uh, I was doing it out of my house for a while. People and clients were coming in and we, were, we had the, the apparatus there. But the stem cell therapy was, it was amazing. Uh, because it, we were, it was able to actually trigger um, dormant hair follicles to to regenerate again. That's it was the it was huge, and they they get the they get stem cells. They're harvested from the bone marrow of 18 to 24 year olds because they feel their their stem cells are more active, and then they're they're processed and and they're genetically perfect so that there's no issue with any kind of side effect issue or anything like that. And the, the, op, the, the apparatus for applying it is called microneedling. It's an apparatus that has like a couple of dozen little microneedles. And that's what deposits the stem cells into the, the dormant follicles. And the interesting thing we found is that the, the stem cells themselves generate a response. But the action of the microneedling creates thousands of little microtraumas. And the body rushes healing energy to that area, and it just kickstarts the whole process. My concern initially was that you know any kind of trauma that you have to the body will usually trigger hair fall. For example, if you go for a surgery with general anesthetic, you're going to experience some hair fall after that because of that trauma to your to your system in general. And I was concerned that the microneedling would create trauma and it would trigger hair fall, but it was actually the opposite. Because it was so concentrated in the scalp area, the, the, uh, the damage, the, the healing energy rushed to the area and it had the opposite effect. People that were coming into us for stem cell therapy with hair fall, their hair fall stopped right after that. It was an interesting phenomenon. So obviously, like you said, I mean, that leads into obviously chemotherapy and radiation and, and stuff like that. Because, I mean, you obviously see it when you go to any cancer treatment center, you see, you know, people have lost their hair, eyelashes and so forth. We being at Cedars for 25 years, um, we used to work with the oncology department a lot there. And, and we got involved with women's breast cancer. Matter of fact, the involvement with women's breast cancer uh, led us to develop new shampoo products without any chemicals. I mean, you know, when you, when you're a cancer survivor, you're very cautious about not only what you put in your body, but what you put on it. And they didn't want any sulfates or paraffins or anything like that. So we developed these products for that reason. But I, I used to, I, I used to get uh, cases coming in and they were all concerned and I would tell them, look, you know, give it about nine months after chemo is finished. If your hair hasn't come back or it's come back of a different texture, you're not happy with it, then come and see us. But you've got to give it at least that amount of time to see what happens. And, and most of the time it comes back on its own without any, you know, any help. If, like I said, if it doesn't come back to the same texture it was, then we would get involved after that. But I mean, women's hair, it's incredible. It, it is, it's, it's just the worst thing in the world for a woman, especially if she's had you know, big hair to begin with. Yeah. And all of a sudden, she goes through that. I had one, one gal come in. She went through a chemo uh, and, and came out the other end, and we were working with her hair. And about maybe four or five years later, she had a relapse, and she refused to go into chemo. She said, I would rather die of cancer than lose my hair again. I mean, that's how traumatic wow. it is for, for ladies. Mm. Uh, one of my 
very, very good friends. Uh, she passed away about three years ago. Um, she obviously, uh, she found out she had stage four breast cancer right out the gate. Oh, I'm sorry. And uh, yeah. she, within, she started chemo and then about, I think it was a few weeks, she, she lost her hair. Um, when she went to remission and her hair started growing back, it came back curly, very curly. And we, and she'd never had curly hair her whole life. Yeah, it, it, it can change. The texture of your hair, it, it happens frequently that it just comes back. It's like, this isn't my hair anymore. Yeah, I remember it was one of the weirdest things. I remember I got a great picture of her with her curly hair. She was just completely blown away how, how it came back. So I end my interview with the same question. And that is this one. And it's if the entire population of the planet was listening to this particular broadcast, what is the one thing that you would like to say to the entire planet? Lighten up. That's good. <laughs> Take That's it good. easy. Lighten up. If I don't care what nationality you are, you know, just take it easy, enjoy life, laugh a little more, and don't be so serious about all this stuff. Don't take yourself so seriously. Okay. Tell our listeners how best to find you and how to more learn about the company on social media. Just, uh, it's very simple. Just go to regenix.com, R-E-G-E-N-I-X. And if you want to talk to one of our technical staff, just dial 1-800-REGENIX, R-E-G-E-N-I-X. Awesome. And we will have that link on our website as well. Bill, oh, thanks Thank ever you. so much for coming on the show. This has been fantastic. It's been my pleasure. Enjoy your day. Enjoy the rest of the French Open. Thank you. Uh, enjoy your cigar club tonight. Oh, I will. <laughs> and just like that, Duval Nation, we come to the very end of our show. I want to give a massive thanks to my friends, Chad Malone, Katie Kinder, for coming on the show today and speaking with me. Bring us up to date on their projects. They're amazing. I can't wait for everybody to go check it out. You guys are special, and I'm so proud of each and every one of you. I also want to thank our very special guest, Mr. Bill Edwards, for so graciously giving his time to be with us. I highly suggest checking out the Regenix website. Lots of great stuff on there. As I mentioned in the intro, we have tons of shows coming up, and I am so excited for every one of them. Look for a new episode coming very soon. Before we leave... I want to acknowledge the passing of a legend. On New Year's Eve, we lost Betty White, and the whole world is grieving. Uh, I was first introduced to Betty White in the 90s when I would come home early from school, and my mother would be doing the ironing and laughing to the Golden Girls. Uh, I was captivated by her comedic timing. Uh, she just seemed like a very genuine and nice person. And doing the Derek Duvall show, I've actually got to speak to people who have actually met and spent time with her and they all say the same thing. She was just a very genuine, nice person. Uh, so I feel very justified feeling that way. What a loss. And just, I mean, a few weeks before her 100th birthday too. I mean, oh, anyway, what a loss. That said, on behalf of the entire team here at the Director of All Show, I want to say, be well, be safe, get the damn vaccine. I have seen how proven it is up close. I believe in the science, folks. Let's do our part and to finally end this pandemic. No star. God bless, and see you very soon, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvalShow.com, for the latest news on downloads and to explore past episodes. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Derek Duval Show.